John Pincus, of course, taking the reins tonight, uh, answering your questions. Phone lines, look at that, already open, ready to go. This is a live show, of course, a Monday night edition of the Employment Hour. It is 416-870-6400, star 640 on your cell, one 225 talk if you prefer. That number is toll-free. Lots of stuff to get to tonight. Uh, we'll get to some of your emails a little later on in the show as we like to uh, strive to get to as many as we can. Help at employmenthour.com. Plus, the reasons why people accept bad severance packages. That will be on the way very shortly in between the phone calls as well. But, uh, my brother, we always start the show with a couple cases that you have been working on or have uh, concluded with or just got into the week that was. What is happening on uh, on your side, pal? Yeah, that's right, John. We'll uh, go through some situations, and maybe it will remind some people listening of some situations that they're in or someone in their family or friends are in, and they can give us a call, and we can chat about that, too. So uh, the first situation is uh, an individual who came to me just wanting to look over a severance package. Fairly straightforward. This is someone who had been working for a company for uh, for over 20 years as an operations mm-hmm. manager, earning a very high level of income. And he knew based on the severance pay calculator that typically he would be entitled to a severance package of anywhere between 18 to 24 months pay. But when he got his severance package, his employer pointed out that five years ago, in exchange for a $500 bonus, he signed an employment agreement, limiting his entitlement to, entitlements uh-huh. to the minimum amounts under the Employment Standards Act. So, of course, when they offered him a severance package, he wasn't offered anything close to 18 months. Instead, they offered him 20.5 weeks pay and eight weeks benefits. That's it. They said, pursuant to your employment contract, that's all you get. Very straightforward termination letter. So, you can guess, the first thing I wanted to see, this employment contract. Because what our province's highest court has said is that if you, the employer, you who have unequal bargaining power, you're going to impose a term forcing an employee to give up a huge amount of severance, well, you'd better do it right. And what we have seen is that over the last few decades, employers simply cannot seem to do this. Again and again, employers get it wrong. Well, this particular gentleman sent me his employment contract, and sure enough, it was illegal, unenforceable, invalid garbage. One of the most poorly drafted termination clauses, in fact, that that I had seen in some time. So guess what? This individual was not entitled to 20.5 weeks pay. He was entitled to 20 months pay and all of his benefits. So we're going to help him get a proper severance package, which is particularly important for this person because he knows he's going to be out of work for a long time. It's the summer. Not a lot of people are hiring. And probably a lot of employers are going to assume that after 20 years, this is someone set in his ways. And it will be hard for him to adapt to you know, our way as the prospective employer of doing things. So the law recognizes this, and he's certainly entitled to much more more severance than he's uh, been offered here. Just lining up some phone calls, 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. We'll get to those in uh, in a moment here. What else, uh, what else you got going on, John? Well, uh, the second situation involves an employee who had taken a position with one of the big uh, retail head offices here in Toronto as a marketing manager under a fixed term. And under this fixed term, she was to start working on November 1st, of last year and work until November 1st of this year, a term of one year. So when she started, things were great. She was working with the product managers, getting along with everyone. Her first performance review after the first couple months was was very positive. Everything's perfect. Well, all of this changes when a new COO comes in, who is the person that she was primarily reporting to. Now, this new COO decided that she felt this person's role was redundant and and made made this known. Uh, The COO didn't like her work, didn't feel it had any value, and couldn't understand why the company had hired her in the first place. So the COO decided one day, you know what, Uh, your, your position is redundant, see ya. And since you've only been employed with us for six months, here is one week pay. 
Well, well hang on just one second. Well, first of all, we know that employees, even those who have been employed for a short period of time, almost always get more than one week's pay. But, but in here, there was something else. Because you see, under this fixed-term contract, the company did not have the right to terminate it early without just cause. And since they readily admitted that this was she was only being terminated because her role was redundant, clearly they did not have just cause. So what that meant was unquestionably, in this case, they owed her the balance of the entire contract. Right. Full stop. Yep. The contract was $100,000, and they terminated it halfway through. So she was owed $50,000. And this is going to be a very simple matter to resolve once we get uh, once we intervene. And I can tell you that this person is going to be very glad that she contacted us. So employees, be aware that if you are employed under a fixed-term contract and it is terminated early, you could have significant, significant entitlements, depending on the wording of the contract. Uh, and and for, for employers who may be listening, uh, beware of the fixed-term contract, because this is one of those few situations where the company would have actually been better off having no contract at all. This employee was young, skilled, they gave her a good reference letter, and so the amount they would normally have been on the hook, I mean, it would have been a lot bit more than a week, but it certainly would not have been six months in this case. And the ironic thing is that the company thought they were limiting their liability with a fixed-term contract. So just another reason to make sure that as the employer, as a human resources manager or what have you, when, you, when you're making these arrangements, uh, make sure you do it in consultation with an employment lawyer. 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell or one 225 talk You want to call through this evening, ask John a question, bring it on even if it's only for interest's sake. Uh, we take them all on until about the, uh, you know, a few minutes before uh, before 8 o'clock. In that regard, get to us, Sally. Sally, thank you for hanging on. How are you this evening? Good, thank you. Good. What's your question? Um, okay. I have been off since December 7th for, um, it was bullying and harassment. And I have not been paid my short term, and I have all the medical um, documentation that I should be paid. Mm -hmm. They denied it three times. They said it was WSIB. WSIB denied it, said it should be short term. Okay. So um, now I, I, I do belong to a union, but they've told me that maybe I should reach out and get an independent lawyer. It might be faster. Well, certainly, if you're having an issue with the uh, disability provider, you may want to give us a call. Uh, and actually, at ST Law, as uh, as John can can talk about more, we we uh, we handle those issues as well. Yep. Um, and so, I, I would strongly encourage you to give us a call about the short-term disability, and we can certainly help you out with that. Um, the union, it is it is absolutely correct that with issues with respect to your employment. Typically, it is the union that will handle those things. Right. Uh, but this may be a situation where you want to give us a call about the short-term disability. So I wouldn't wait. Give us a call. We'll talk about it. Uh, you know, send us the policy. And uh, certainly one of our disability lawyers can take a look at that. Okay, thank you. Thanks, Sally. Appreciate that. That number, uh, write it down to uh, to make that phone call. That is 1-855-821-5900. Again, 1-855-821-5900. And yeah, unlike most firms, you guys do both employment law and disability law. There's lots of overlap and interplay between the two. That's a prime example right there. Yep. And in some cases, yeah, the uh, disability side can handle things uh, for someone that is under a uh, CBA or a, a, a union agreement, unlike the uh, the employment side. Moving on here, 416 870 6400 star 640 on cell. Bernie, thank you for hanging on. How are you? Not bad. And yourself? Good. Uh, what's going on in your world tonight? 
Uh, nothing much. Um, I just okay. have a, a more out of a curiosity kind of thing. I, I, I do work for the company, and I've been working for 20, 22 years now. It's a construction company, and we are sort of unionized. And just, just, just for curiosity, um, uh, if something similar like that, that if you let go for, for whatever reason, I mean, whether you, you got fired or or you know, are you still entitled to to some because we are unionized? Does that we qualify for that or no for any severance pay at all? Well, you, you, you can be in some circumstances, but that amount is typically going to be markedly lower, much, much lower um, than you would be entitled to if you were non-unionized. So it's a trade-off being in a union, right? On the one hand, you have a union who can actually grieve the termination and may be able to prevent you from losing your job in the first place. Uh, but if the union decides not to take that on and instead um, you are um, your, your employment is terminated, um, you could have some minimum entitlements, although in, in, in some cases construction employees don't even have that, so it will depend on the, on the situation. Uh, but certainly in, in almost all cases, that, that's going to be uh, considerably less than you would receive if you're non-unionized. So again, it, it, it's just it's a trade-off. You, you get that protection of a union being right. able to say, we'll, we'll stand up from you and try to keep your job. But if they decide not to do that, um, you, you kind of get the short, end, the short straw on that one. Oh, all right. Okay, good to know. Thank you so much. No problem. Thank you, Bernie. Appreciate uh, your call. And that's generally how it is. I mean, when it comes to workplace rights and stuff like that, if the union isn't stepping up for whatever reason, maybe they're in the middle of a uh, you know a bargaining session or it's that time of the uh, time of the calendar where they're you know going for new contracts, you might not get the uh, you know the the result you want, right? Yeah, and and it's you know it's really unfortunate, and and I guess the you know the way to rationalize it if you're unionized employees is say, well, uh, I've I've certainly lost a lot of rights here, but on the other hand, I, I had a lot more rights than I may not have had. I may have had a higher pay, I may have had better benefits, better pension than if I wasn't unionized. So right. uh, that's just the trade-off you make when you when you join an organization that is uh, unionized. Get to uh, David here in Pickering again. Four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred star six forty on cell. Hey, David. Good evening. How are you, pal? Oh, very good. I'd like to get an opinion here on both the employee and employer side. Okay. A person in a department of a major financial institution, I'm talking major, decides mm-hmm. they're going on holidays to Europe, and they've decided that, well, I'm going to work one week there and one week holiday, and then one week again work and one week holiday while I'm over there. Mm-hmm. And that was reluctantly agreed to. Then the next year, the person says, hey, I'm going back to Europe again. This time, I'm going to do part work, part vacation. I'll do a week on, week off, week on, week off. They reluctantly agree to it again. <laughs> now, the rest of the folks in the, in the department are wondering, hey, that sounds good to me. I want to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, so what situation does that leave the company now in employees? Is there some sort of precedent here? Well, here's uh, so here's the first thing that, that you should yeah. know is that an employer absolutely has the right to schedule vacation. So an employee can't just say, I'm going on vacation at this time, and if you don't like it, too bad, so set. Now, an employer has to make sure that an employee has vacation within a certain time period every year, um, so they can't just not give them vacation time. Uh, but in terms of when that happens, that is at the discretion of the employer, not employee. 
So no, I I, I don't I I wouldn't say that creates a precedent. Not only would I say that doesn't create a precedent for other employees, I don't think it would even create a precedent for the employee uh, in question, right? So if the employee is done at one year, that does not give them the right to take vacation in the exact same way the next year. It's not like, for instance, if if your pay was increased, then obviously that becomes a term of your employment and, and you can't have your pay decreased. That's a precedent. But vacation time, there may be reasons why it worked in the first year and it's not going to work in the second year. And that is absolutely within the discretion of the employer. Great. Thank you. No problem. Thanks, David. Appreciate uh, appreciate your call this evening. You want to reach out further anytime for any other matters, you can do so. one 821 5900 help at employmenthour.com is another way to reach out here. A couple minutes to go before we take a uh, our first break. you still got time to call in. In fact, you got a lot of time to call in. 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell, and one 225 talk That number is toll-free. Reasons why people accept bad severance packages, my friend. And let's get right into this before we, uh, we break. Here. Number one is they don't realize they're entitled to more, which was the genesis of doing this show seven years ago to you know, pull the cover off this thing and enlighten people before it happens, when it happens, right? Right, right, exactly. And and just to go back to the first example that I gave at the top of the hour, you know, if you're being let go and an employer says they're relying on an employment contract, get a copy of that contract and, and share it with an employment lawyer because I can usually tell you within a, f- a few minutes, sometimes a few seconds, uh, if that contract is actually going to hinder your entitlement. So it never hurts to give us a call, find out if what you're being offered is fair, find out if your entitlements are actually limited by a contract. It's not the kind of thing that I'm going to be able to, to tell you just over the phone, but if you send it to me, uh, then we'll ha- you know we can have a call or, or one of the lawyers in our office can have a call and we can tell you, you know what, you're offered, you're, you're owed more than this, which in many cases is exactly uh, what happens. And if you've never signed a contract, uh, then the chances of you being owed more than that are, are very, very high because the employer is going to lowball you. And that's not because your employer is evil. That's because your employer is trying to make a, a good business decision. And if you accept an offer that's lower, that's a good business decision for them. They've saved a lot of money. So just make sure that you're, you're watching out for your rights as well. You know, it, and it's something you've said before about employment contracts. I know Lior has as well. Just because you have one doesn't mean it's ironclad. These things have to be drafted in a certain way. And if you're dealing with an employer that is possibly unsophisticated in that uh, in that realm, they might have you know downloaded some sort of template or something and just you know taken something off of Google or otherwise. And this thing might not hold water. So it's always in that regard always important to have you look at that uh, contract because you might just be able to you know it might not be worth the paper it's written on, right? It might not be. But that being said, if you're in that situation where you're being asked to sign a contract, like like the gentleman that I, I mentioned earlier, and let you say right. you're getting $500, do not sign it before mm-hmm. speaking to an employment lawyer, because just think logically, why would they be offering this contract to you? And, and the devil is always in the details. It may come not only in the form of a termination clause, but there might be non-competes, non-solicitations, things that can hinder your ability to find a job after you're let go. So just like you'd never sign a severance package before speaking to an employment lawyer, uh, don't sign a new employment agreement without speaking to an employment lawyer. We'll take our uh, first pause for the uh, the evening here. Give you some time to call in, get your uh, your thoughts together, and ask your questions as well. Four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred star six forty on cell one triple eight two two five. Talk that number is toll free. Lots more to go here. The Monday night edition of the Employment Hour on Global News Radio.
For the Monday night edition, also back here on Wednesday night, the weekend shows an employment hour in 30. The television version, 30-minute version of that happens on Global TV and CTV on your weekend mornings as well. 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. And if you prefer, one 225 talk That is toll-free to uh, call in and talk to us because we'd love to talk to you. Brian, thanks for, uh, thanks for uh, hanging with us uh, for your time. How are you? Great. How about yourself? Good. What's, uh, what's going on in your world? Okay, I got a question. Um, if you go through a mediation process, so mm-hmm. you have a wrongful dismissal case, mm-hmm. you've hired legal representation, uh, it goes to mediation, uh, you meet with the mediator, your lawyer, your previous employment uh, legal counsel, and you come to an agreement that's signed off on. It's an Ontario court uh, paper that's signed off on, and the previous employer doesn't follow through with their what they're owed to do in the, in the mediation agreement. The deadline comes and goes. You don't hear from them. What is the next step at that point to push this further? Is it a motion with the court? What's the next step? <laughs> so, uh, interesting question. So, it, it depends. So, if a legal action has been commenced, uh, then it's actually a very simple motion, very straightforward. If you have an enforceable agreement that is signed by the employer, uh, then um, you would simply bring a, a motion to enforce the settlement, or your 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 previous lawyer would. And you just you would just give your lawyer a call. Very straightforward motion. Something I've I've had to do rarely, but but occasionally it comes up, and uh, usually within a very short time period uh, it, that gets scheduled. And basically, what happens is your settlement turns into a court order, and then it becomes uh, very straightforward to enforce uh, whether they want to pay it or not. Now, if you haven't started. Uh, a claim already, if you haven't filed a claim, then that basically becomes a new claim, becomes a breach of contract. But again, very straightforward. So what I would do is I would contact your lawyer uh, and basically your, your, your previous lawyer and say uh, that this, this hasn't been paid. And from my experience, 95% of the time, the mere threat of bringing uh, this motion or a claim is is enough to resolve it. I, I've I've had to threaten it many many times. I've almost almost never had to actually do it uh, because uh, it's it's so straightforward and there's you know there's there's really no way around it if if they've agreed to it. Right, and if and if they miss that deadline mm-hmm. um, and the it goes to court, does the judge look at this and uh, award um, legal costs? to the yep. person who was owed money? Okay. Yep. yep, generally okay. speaking, yes, absolutely. Yep. Okay, great. Well, thank you very much for that. That's helpful. Thank you. You're very welcome. Appreciate it. Thanks, Brian. You want to uh, reach out further and contact the guys, email is uh, help at employmenthour.com or 1-855-821-5900. But for the purpose of this show, as you know, 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell and one triple eight two two five. talk is toll-free. Candace, thanks for hanging on. How are you? Good. How are you, John? We are rocking. What is going on in your world? How can we help excellent, you? Excellent. Excellent. I have two questions. The sure. first one being uh, my daughter was recently hired uh, by a pub, a, or I guess it's like uh, um, it's a bar and okay. food place. And mm-hmm. uh, the terms of her employment, uh, she was hired on a full-time basis, but it turns out that she is typically getting between uh, three and four shifts a week each one comprising about four hours. So she's actually working 16 uh, hours a week. Is that considered, is that considered full-time? Well, typically, as we would sort of colloquially know, full-time. I mean, there's, there, there isn't really 
uh, a straightforward legal definition of full-time. I mean, often often we would usually consider full-time 40 hours or 37 hours a week or sometimes 32 hours okay. a week. But what really matters is, you know, in, in terms of her rights, her rights to pay and her rights to, uh, you know, her entitlements if, if they end the employment relationship is what hours she's actually working. Yeah. So if she if she is working 16 hours and she's continuously working those hours, she's accepted that that's her job. Right. And so um, they may have told her that she's going to be full time. um, But if if she starts working 16 hours and is continuing to do that, then that's going to be deemed a term of her employment. Whether that's full time or not is really not going to matter because what's going to matter in terms of her legal rights are what are the facts on the ground. And so I I think that that's actually, in her case, probably for for all intents and purposes, and I'm not sure... um, what where the concern is stemming from uh you know whether this is a you know this is a breach of her employment um i I don't think it's going to matter because i don't think it could be said that that it's a breach of her employment because she's effectively accepted it by continuing to work those hours okay i understand okay thank you i have one more question sure sure no Uh, yeah take your time okay a friend of mine uh was uh let go but it was summer of 2016. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he hired a lawyer in Durham region. I told him <laughs> many times to uh, contact uh, Lior. Anyways, so essentially three years later, he is still waiting for his severance pay. Uh, he worked he he worked for his employer for 30 years. Uh, he was let go at the age of 55, and he was making about $50,000 a year. Mm-hmm. My understanding is that uh, it was also a human rights violation just based on, you know, listening to your show. And I'm just wondering, is this a normal uh, time frame? No, no, it's, it's not. And I, I really hope a claim was filed. Uh, because he's going to be uh, beyond the limitation period at this point. Oh my! Yeah. So, so right now, I know he's scheduled uh, for a deposition in June. A discovery. Okay. Yeah. Is that is that? So, what exactly is involved in that? So, like, what what that means? I mean, that's that that's something that can happen sometimes in more complicated cases where okay. the basic it's it's uh, basically an interview on the record. They'll ask him questions, and then he'll have to respond and right. and and give his answers. I mean, it's it's a pretty straightforward process. It's a very important part of the process that I'm sure right. his lawyer will will lead him in. I I don't know the particular, of course circumstances of the case maybe there is a good reason why uh it's taking that long but is is that typical for any employment matter no it, it's no, not I, even yeah. even matters that we have to escalate uh for it for it to take years uh you know that's that sounds more like what i would expect for maybe a you know a personal injury action where yeah. there's you know millions of dollars at play but not an employment matter uh i very, very rarely yeah. does it take anywhere close to that that amount of time. Okay. So that that is a little bit surprising. But again, I, there may be things that uh, um, that that would change my opinion about that if I knew more okay. about the case. Can I ask one more question? Of course, yeah, sure. go ahead. So, um, my understanding uh, of the um, uh, fees being charged to him by uh, the lawyer that he retained mm-hmm. uh, is that upon. Um, this issue being resolved, uh, his lawyer is taking a certain percentage of what the expected amount is, right. and uh, then, then obviously he will take the, the balance. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I guess my bigger concern is 
so you mentioned that it's possibly um, he has gone beyond, I can't remember the word that you use, but... Well, I well, if he has, if, if he's going to discoveries, that means the claim was filed. So I, I don't don't think that's going to be a problem. He wouldn't okay. be going to discoveries if he hadn't filed a claim uh, in, in, in time. So okay. uh, probably that's, probably he, he reached that, uh, he... he Reach it's that kind of benchmark, yeah. So I think it's probably a moot point. I think he's he's okay. fine. Um, okay. You know, the, the the company would have raised it by now if if he okay. was late. Okay. So so I guess an option, and I've tried to convince him of this fact, would be for um, him to uh, retain uh, Lior, but uh, I'm not sure of what the legal implications of right that are, right. Given that he's already already has a lawyer. Yeah. Yeah. Fair question. Fair question. And and what typically happens is the lawyer um, who is currently acting for him will probably have some rights under his retainer. Um, okay. But if he wants to switch legal representation, then um, that's a discussion that um, he can have with us and he will okay. eventually have to have with his current lawyer and, yes. and find out what the consequences are of leaving that retainer. Yes. Um, but for some people, that makes sense. For some people, that makes sense. So really, if, if he's yeah. really unhappy with the way things are going, uh, he should give us a call. And it, it may not be, you know, it may not be practical for him to switch retainers mm-hmm. given the consequences of him leaving his current lawyer. But right. he should at least understand what that's going to be if uh, if he's unhappy with his current representation. Yeah. And he should, he should, as a minimum, he should explore what his options are at this point in time. I mean, yes. it's the point now where, where he can potentially uh, be losing his house. Oh, I I have one more question than than that that I promise. No problem. Uh, he he was instructed to uh, go on unemployment. Yes. Um, he went on unemployment, and now he is being told that he has to pay back close to uh, I think it's like twenty five thousand dollars in unemployment insurance. Is that typical? Well, I mean that that's only something that becomes an issue if he's actually getting a settlement. So if his case is still ongoing and they haven't paid anything for termination pay, um, no, then I, I don't I don't see why that would be applicable. That that might be a consideration l- later on. Um, I know. But that at this point, uh, I'm not sure. They they may be referring to some point in the future. You know, okay. if we no, pay you something, then there may be, uh, you know, there there may be some kind of overpayment uh, that you are owed. So so it okay. it might be that part. But um, uh, anyway, I I think this this sounds like a situation where he should uh, give us a call, yes. sort of, and and then we can sit down with him and go over his options and. I agree. Um, and, and find out how because again three years is it can happen but it's it's that's very rare for an yes, employment. Yes, I, I understand. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you, gentlemen. Uh, all the best and have a great night. You too. Appreciate uh, your time too uh, as well, Candice. You want to reach out one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred to carry on. Uh, help at employmenthour dot com is the email address as well. We were talking about in between the phone calls. By the way, we got uh, more time if you're interested in calling in four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred star six forty on your cell. Uh, reasons why people accept bad severance packages. Number two on your list is they relied on advice from the old Ministry of Labor. Yeah, the Ministry of Labor is good for certain things. They're good for uh, unpaid wages claims in some instances, statutory holiday issues, vacation pay, you know, typically the little things. But the big things, your severance entitlements, uh, the ministry can only tell you about your minimum entitlements, uh, not your full entitlements. Full severance entitlements are not governed by the Employment Standards Act, 
And not only uh, are they not going to tell you about that, they're actually not allowed to tell you about that. Uh, they're huh. forbidden because they are not qualified. They're only qualified to administer the Employment Standards Act. So when you call the Ministry of Labor, they're not lying to you. In fact, many of them, and we're fortunately we're seeing this more and more, is that they'll say, you know, you should probably speak to a lawyer because you may be owed more than this. And, and we're happy to see that from the Ministry of Labor. And we're happy to see that they're, they're starting to do this more and more, starting to put that disclaimer on their website because it's just a different entitlement that they can speak to. So, uh, you know, and, and often they'll be quite candid, speak to an employment lawyer. That's how you need to talk about your full severance entitlements. It's kind of like, you know, as far as your job is concerned, if you still have one, you're okay for the Ministry of Labor. If you've lost your job, don't go to Ministry of Labor. Right? Yeah, and again, there's exceptions to every <laughs> Very rule. Very basic, yeah. There's exceptions to every rule, but you at least want to talk to an employment lawyer. Because remember, when right. you call the Ministry of Labor, they're not a lawyer. They're not your advisor. They're not giving you legal advice. So get legal yeah. advice before you decide where you're going to go. Still got some time to call in and ask your questions here, too, by the way, 416-870-6400, star 640 on your cell, and one triple eight two two five. talk That number is toll-free. Reasons why people accept bad severance packages, and this one, pretty common, but uh, I know you're going to put this one to bed for sure. They're, they're kind of worried about upsetting their employer. Right. Well, this one I always, I, I mean, I understand it, but at the same time, uh, it, it's always a little bit surprising to me because you think about it. And, they just fired you. They've they've just you've you've just yeah. lost your primary source of income. You're worried yeah. about upsetting them. I mean, no. they they should be worried about upsetting you, right? Yeah. And yeah. you know, as someone who 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 acts for employers as well, I, I can tell you that a lot of employers are worried. They're worried about how the termination meeting is going to go. How is this going to person going to react? And rightly so. This is a this is a serious thing that you're doing to someone because this is part of their identity. It's it's this mm-hmm. is what they do every day. We spend most of our time at work. So, you know, that's that's the first thing is that especially if, if you know, if you've been terminated by an employer, you know, a lot of people will tell us, my employer, you don't know, they're, they're the most vindictive people, uh, they'll fight anything. And so, yeah. well, all the more reason to get your entitlements. Why would you let someone like that get away well, with something just, right. just because they, they bark the loudest? Uh, and the other thing is that especially if you're working for a, a larger company or even a mid-sized company, this this is typically not the kind of situation where you're actually going to upset them. You're going to we're, we're going to write a very very civil letter to them, uh, and we're going to say this is what our client is owed. Here are here's why. Here are the legal reasons why, and here's a proposal for for a compromise. And yeah. that tends to work because the the alternative of the employer is that they're going to face a claim, and most employers are smart enough to avoid that. Yeah, they don't need that hassle nor the expense if it no, goes that far, exactly. right? They don't want to do that. Exactly. Uh, yep, 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. The reasons why people accept bad severance packages. Uh, the deadline was only two weeks or, you know, Friday at 5 or something like that, right? Right. And I can tell you every, every or almost every termination letter has a deadline on it, usually about one to two weeks. And I, I can tell you that this is done uh, usually under the advice uh, of an employment lawyer, and I have to confess that sometimes that employment lawyer is me. I mean, if, yeah, I'm, advi- sure. if I'm advising a company, I'm going to tell them put a deadline on this yeah. on this uh, on this offer. And if that company asks you, well, well, does the does their entitlement actually expire on that day? No, of course not. But you don't want them 
to uh, ruminate about this for two months. You don't want them to start talking to their uncle and their friend and their and or, or worst of all, a lawyer, uh, and and learn that they're owed uh, they're owed more than this. Now, of course, you give them an opportunity to speak to a lawyer, uh, and usually, you know, within two weeks they can speak to a lawyer. But if that person decides, you know what, I'm not going to speak to a lawyer. I'm just going to accept this package hands down, uh, and because I don't I don't want to uh, you know I don't want to poke the bear here and. Then they right. sign that release and they do it voluntarily, then, well, guess what? That employer has probably saved tens of thousands of dollars. The reality is your rights expire two years from the date that you discover them for all civil claims. And so for, for people who've lost their job, that's two years from the date that you have your notice of termination, not one day before and one not, not one day after. Uh, so as long as you don't wait two years to contact a lawyer, uh, that deadline doesn't really matter. It only matters if you're going to accept that offer. And if it's a bad offer, why would you? Yeah, don't accept it in the first place. Going to move over to uh, to Doug here. Hey, Doug, thanks for uh, thanks for hanging on. How are you this evening? Good. How are you? Good, sir. Great. What's uh, what's going on in your world? Well, it's a bit of a long story, but I'll try and make it as short as I can. I was worked for a city uh, just outside of London uh, for 18 years. I worked my way up and uh, from uh, entry level position to manager, mm-hmm. and. Uh, I was appointed to uh, do contract negotiations for the Environmental Services Department, and I fell into, uh, because of the positions I took in the contract, I pissed off some people at union employees, and they went on a mission, filed 23 bullying harassment complaints against me. My goodness. Okay. Um, they investigated that. They found they were all unfounded. Okay. And I was... Uh, I was put off with pay in September 2017. Right. And um, I was given a back-to-work date mm-hmm. in December um, 2017. No, yeah, 2018. Okay. Okay. And uh, so they hired an outside uh, firm to come in and, you know, get talk to everybody and kind of get everybody back on the same page and, you know, a productive workplace and that. So I went through the interview and that. When that happened, uh, the employees come up and accused me of stealing and filed another 12 bullying harassment complaints against me. So they hired, yeah. an, outside, they hired an outside lawyer to do an investigation into workplace. me. Yeah. And basically, when he was done, he said, no bullying and harassment, but, you know, the balance of probabilities is based on what the employees are saying. Uh, Balance of probability did that, so they terminated me with cause, and I was... I am six... uh, I was 64 years old. I was... uh, Wow. I had 18 years. My plan was is to put 20 years service in with Omers and then retire, but I didn't make it. And and the, this, just so I have this straight, so the accusation against you is that they accused you of stealing. Was that ultimately what they relied on? Yeah. Right. Okay. So I mean, it's it's very simple, Douglas. I mean, the 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 question is is if they is, can they prove it? If they can prove that you stole, uh, then, uh, you know, they will be able to establish most likely that they have cause for dismissal and they won't owe you anything. But if you didn't do it, uh, then it's very unlikely they're going to be able to prove it. Uh, so if if what they're accusing you of is false, um, then give us a call. And I'd want to know what was this investigation, what did they base their findings on, and uh, what evidence did they have? 
Well, the only evidence that they had is what happened was is um, when I was at a meeting at City Hall, the only evidence that I was ever shown in, in this uh, interview that I had with this lawyer that they hired, um, they, uh, there was a fuel can placed in the back of my pickup truck at okay. the workplace, mm -hmm. and, and they took a photograph of the fuel can. And when I was in, when I was questioned, I said, "That's not my fuel can." And I said, "I did not put the fuel can there." Right. Well, it sounds like we're getting we're getting into some details that may take some time to go through. But again, uh, if you didn't do it, they're not going to be able to prove it. They're not going to have cause. And my goodness, they're going to uh, they're going to owe a significant amount of money there if that's the case. Want to reach out, Douglas? Do so for more details. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred to get a hold of John. Uh, thanks for the call, by the way. Help at employmenthour.com is the uh, email address. I think we've got enough time to rattle off a couple more of these, and that is reasons why people accept bad severance packages. Uh, the termination was for cause, so right. that's it. The route, right? Right. So just just like the example we 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 were just talking about with Douglas, uh, you know, if if someone has been uh, terminated for cause and there was no just cause, then they're going to be owed severance. And generally, uh, establishing just cause is very, very difficult. Uh, the court is going to, or the law is going to hold a very, very high standard. And particularly right. if you've been accused of something lesser than stealing. I mean, if that's that's a very serious accusation. If if someone's been accused of stealing or fraud, but if you've been accused of, of poor performance or you know yelling in the workplace or something like that, that, that's that's very rarely going to meet the test for just cause. Um, so number one, if you haven't done it, which employees come to us all the time and, and, and come with proof that they haven't done what they've alleged to do, and then that's pretty straight uh, straightforward to deal with. Or if they've accused you of something that, yeah, you have done it, but the punishment doesn't fit the crime, uh, then you're also going to be owed severance. And, and it's got to be something fairly severe to justify a cause for dismissal. Steve, I got uh, literally about a minute and a half for you. You want to uh, ask us your question? Go for it. I, uh, I will try to be fast then. Uh, sure. I've been off work on LTD for just a little over a year. I've had two heart surgeries, and it looks like the second one was actually a success. So I may be looking at going back to work within, let's say, the next two months or so. But my position has been filled. Uh, I'm just a warehouseman, but I had a position where I had a pretty easy-going job, and that position has been filled. If they can't offer me my same position or title, um, can I go uh, terminate my job there or, and get severance? So it's a question of a duty to accommodate. So when you come back, they have a duty to accommodate you within your restrictions. And if you can't do the job that you previously did, then they are going to have to try and find another job. And if they really don't have any job for you, then they don't. Then, then they may have an undue hardship uh, position that they can take. But if they have another job uh, that they can provide you, if it pays less, that pay will apply. But they have to at least make an effort to accommodate. And if they don't make the effort, then it, it could be constructive dismissal. And you may want to talk to a lawyer and definitely talk to a lawyer before you do anything. Steve, appreciate your call. Hope that was enough information for you as we uh, wrap here for the uh, for the evening. Reach out if you want more. Uh, talk to John or Lior. 1-855-821-5900 is the number. It is help at employmenthour.com. Always, always, always check severancepaycalculator.com before you sign anything. We are back here Wednesday night, same time, 7 o'clock, the weekend shows, and, of course, Employment Hour at 30 on Global TV and CTV. That happens on your weekend mornings on Global News Radio.